Lovely. Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, how are we doing? Great. Fantastic. Uh, well, uh, just love the worship. Thank you so much. Wasn't it great? Come on, a round of applause again. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And uh, of course, I'm talking about worship, as I have done forever. Sorry. Um, but I just can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. Um, I hope you've had a good summer. Had a good summer? Anybody wave at me if you've had a good summer? Good summer? Good summers? I've had a great summer. Some people haven't had a great summer, and um, I hear some sad news coming through last week or two. So, tough days for some, um, but I'm glad that uh, many of you have had good times. And I have to admit, I've had a great summer. We were down at Hillsong Conference. Uh, with some of the family in July. It was just awesome. 20,000 people filling the O2 Arena in uh, London uh, for two or three days, worshiping God, praising God, the best speakers. Just amazing time of great encouragement. And um, their their, uh, mantra is uh, supporting the cause of local church everywhere. And I'm certainly come back encouraged about local church. And when I come back, I find that Transform DJs are coming on a Friday night. And that was just an awesome event. And we had a couple um, staying with us and quietest guy in the world in the house, um, Tim, wasn't it? Yeah, Tim. And he gets on stage and he's like, whoa, just awesome were uh, power, passion, and just comes alive, and that was exciting to see, and um, just fantastic. And then I was on the Red 59 Warrior Weekend. Any men with me on the Red 59 Warrior Weekend? Yeah, there's a few. Sorry, you're going to hear the same talk I gave you last week. Um, but Jimmy encouraged me to share uh, the talk that uh, we had, and uh, this one of the small talks I gave at the weekend, um, amongst many, many other great talks. Uh, called, And he gave me the title, it was Self-Conscious Worship. So my title this morning is Self-Conscious Worship. Okay. I've enjoyed the Olympics as well, actually. Uh, Just brilliant seeing that, and Andy Murray winning Wimbledon, and so many good things, and success, and um, I don't know if there was a lot of talk about the women's hockey team. I don't know if you had a favorite, but the women's hockey team won the gold medal against um, Holland in the final, and their whole journey had been sort of one of um, uh, great focus, actually. Um, they sat down, the hockey team sat down after winning the gold medal and decided, what are we going to do now? Now we've won the gold medal in the Olympics, what can we do now? And they agreed that in every area of their lives, they were going to continue to be the difference, to create history and inspire the future. And I thought, that is a fantastic vision for the church, isn't it? That's the women's hockey team. When they had won the gold medal, they knew they'd only just begun and that they wanted to inspire a nation to take up hockey and get fit. And it's a great thing. And and, and bless them, that's tremendous, tremendous. But we have a much better offering for the world. And they've stolen our vision to be the difference, to create history and inspire the future. And this is very much the heart of what I believe God wants to say to you and I this morning. One of their uh, decisions was that they would always come 10 minutes early for the training sessions, the hockey team. 
they would never miss a gym session and they would be committed to the program. And wouldn't it be great if we had a similar attitude in church? And they're only winning hockey gold medals. We've got the kingdom of God to bring in to this nation. We've got souls to save. We've got a purpose. We've got a hope. We've got a heaven. We've got a much greater victory already behind us than a gold medal. We've got Christ defeating death on the cross. So there's my message in a nutshell. Let's get here 10 minutes early. Let's get to all your gym sessions every week, every morning, just meeting with God, wherever you can do it. And let's get with, get with the program. I hate that phrase. And I don't really mean it in the sense that the hockey team mean it, but to catch the vision for what God is doing here in this place would be just wonderful. And um, the thing is, worship is going to be one of the key things, I think, that is going to make a huge difference to the church in this place and in this town and in this nation going forward. And I want to tell you why I think that. One of the messages from Hillsong Conference was about church. And I was reminded and encouraged that the church across the world is growing massively and quickly. And it may be invisible to us here sometimes, but seeing the people from across the world coming to London, seeing the, the DJs from America coming to us, seeing the 60 people on a mountainside last weekend, seeing the six or seven people getting baptized last week, God bless you, making a difference, being history, thinking about the future. Tremendous hope and tremendous vision that the church is taking territory against the enemy, against Satan. It's making a difference in every single nation across the world, I believe, that it's unconstrained in these days, that, that where the enemy wants to hold us down and diminish the church and reduce it and constrain the church, God is making it unconstrained. And where, God and where the enemy wants to conform you, control you, the Holy Spirit is transforming you and releasing you into freedom. And that is what is happening across the world today. I want to remind you that if you're in church today, and please put your hand up if you're in church today. Everybody is, yep, definitely you're in church today. You're in the best place in the world. This is the best vision. This is the best team. This is the best victory. This is the best hope. The church will win. It will not be defeated. It will bring you success. It will bring the kingdom of God back into the world. It, it cannot be stopped. It will never end. The kingdom of God will succeed. We are in the best place. You are in the victorious team. You are in the gold medal winning team. You're in the best place and this is the best investment. This is a stake in the ground in Dunfermline, in this place and all over the world. The church is making a difference. Can I hear a round of applause for what the church is doing? So be encouraged about church this morning. I'm encouraged about church this morning. And um, I want to just talk about uh, one of the aspects of this and talking about church and um, I think I can do this, can't I? Let's see what happens. Um, I shared last week on the mountainside with the guys in the pouring rain. It was a great weekend, and thanks to everybody involved in that weekend. Just tremendous, and um, enjoyed Gordon Stewart, the pastor of um, the Gate Church, coming and sharing as well. And he said, he asked us a question, what is the bell 
that is ringing out for this generation. You're used to hearing the bells of churches on a Sunday morning. I remember it used to, I, he, I could hear them five minutes before, and I was about six minutes from church when I was growing up as a kid in Liberton in Edinburgh. And if I heard the bells, I knew it was late. <laughs> but what's the bell for this generation? Who, what is ringing out that is calling the, the nations to church to come to God? What is it? And I just have a feeling it's worship. It's music. It's singing. It's the presence of God. And uh, Jesus sat down with a woman and debated what worship was all about. And he said, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And that debate has gone on for the next 2016, well, whatever it is, for two millennia. We've been arguing about worship as a church and as a people, and we, we can't agree in it. It's caused division. And even today, I know there'll be different films. Why can't we get worship like that every week? Other people were saying, where's George and his guitar? And others will be thinking, where's the transfer G's coming back again? And style is one thing, and we'll never uh, necessarily, we, and we don't want everybody to like the same thing. And God is so wonderful and diverse that that's great. But there's something about understanding what God wants in terms of worship, and the answer is not a particular brand of worship. What God is seeking, if you read it, is worshipers. Another good thing about the summer is that Bake Off is back. Anybody like Bake Off? I've, I've really taken you by surprise with that one, haven't I? <laughs> I quite like Bake Off. Bake Off's a great pro program. It's quite light and it's fun and uh, you know what I'm talking about. You're like going, what are you talking about? Bake Off is the biggest program on TV. <laughs> Bake Off. I think, I'm pretty sure, I could bake a cake. Sally would give me the instructions. I would probably get it right. I would probably get it in the oven. I would inevitably burn it. And I could possibly eat it. And it would be baking. It would not win anything in Bake Off, for sure. And that's because the people that are in Bake Off are incredibly good at baking. They have practiced for years, I assume. They have prepared. They love, it's clear that they love what they do, don't they? And they've been selected from thousands probably to get to this point. And then you, you get a simple thing like a Jaffa cake. You think, you just go and flip and buy them in Tesco. But they spend like weeks, and, and, yeah. and the difference is, the difference is between me and them, I could bake I am not a baker. And the analogy here is, do we just bring a bit of worship to God? Or are we worshipers? Are we worshipers? Are our whole lives focused on preparing, practicing, loving, being passionate about worship? Or, or, or do we just nip to Tesco on the way to church and say, here I am, God, and then, you know, that's it. We bring our offering of 
worship, whatever it is this week. But God is calling and seeking for us to be worshipers. And it's our whole lives that he's talking about. Not just the moment on a Sunday morning, which is, and I'm going to talk about the, the moment on a Sunday morning particularly, but don't ever think that I'm not talking about every single moment of your life. Because if when we come on a Sunday morning, we have done the preparation, we have got the passion, we have been thinking about this and, and making decisions all week and, and, and prioritizing God all week and, 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 and listening to Him, enjoying Him. And, and, and then on Sunday when we're celebrating God, it's just, it is that moment of celebration when we can declare again what, how good God is. So we're called to be worshipers. It is a priority. It is powerful. And I believe, as I've written up here, because I wanted to say that if we win in this area, if you win in worship and grow as worshipers, we will win in every area of our lives. I think it's that powerful. And I think it is the bell for this nation ringing out that finally, if we can understand what Jesus said 2,000 years ago and come together as worshipers, we will see the enemy defeated. We will see territory taken. We will be transformed, and the world will wake up and take notice. They're all over the place in music festivals, uh, soundtracks. Music is a soundtrack to people's life. They're so important. They're prayed at weddings and funerals. They're on people's ears all the time. Music is such a powerful medium. I heard a quote um, that music is the handmaiden of God that where music is, it comes from somewhere else other than what can be seen. You can't picture what a song is. And it's great to hear your own songs being written and played because every person has a song in their heart. There's a response to what God has done in their lives. And that's what worship and these songs are about, telling a story or responding to what God has done. But it has been a battlefield, and we need to recover lost territory. We have been weak, Look, lukewarm, dry, poverty-stricken in our worship. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus sat beside a well, that beautiful deep well that he described, that deep well of living water that he promised would come. That is what we can... Uh, discover in worship. Okay, so if I've convinced you that worship is important and we should focus on it and prioritize it, that it's powerful, that it's making a difference, it's taking territory, that it's leading us into transformation, how do we do it? And it's a great illustration from the Old Testament that I want to use. Joshua Three is the reference, and it's the story of the Israelites. And many of you know this story, but just in quick summary and context, the Israelites who had been in slavery in Egypt were rescued by the mighty miracles and Moses, led into the desert and looked into the promised land and then fell, fell back for 40 years. They wandered in the desert, most of that generation passing until Moses himself finally died. And they were in the banks of the Jordan River, waiting to cross into their promised land, their territory, that God had promised them, where it, everything that they dreamed of 
a land flowing of milk and honey. And Joshua was appointed their new leader to take them into the promised land finally. And it's a great illustration of the Christian life and the Christian message that we come out of sin, come out of our slavery to bondage to everything that we're, we're born into that restricts us from knowing God and receiving God and receiving the gift of eternal life and His promises. And for every Christian, there's this um, journey to a promised land. For the Christian, it's not the, the geography of the Israelites. It's somewhere in your life. It's the hopes that you have, the dreams that God has for you, the purposes He's created you for. And ultimately, it's heaven, of course, is the promised land that we hope for. So it's a great illustration for every Christian. But it's also, God showed me, I think, a great illustration of what it takes to move into worship. I'll read you this. Joshua 3, 14 to 17. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap. In a heap. A great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down the sea of the, to the Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stepped, stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed, completed the crossing on dry ground. Hallelujah. How does this talk to us about worship? I just have to tell you, I've got yellow socks on right now. Can you see them? Just in case, there you go. It's nothing to do with my talk. I just want you to know I'm wearing yellow socks because I'm just so joyful and you just need a yellow sock day sometime. Don't you? I went to work last Monday and I got laughed out of court, but I wanted to wear them today just because God is so good. Life is so amazing. It's wonderful. Anyway. Step into worship. Where am I? Next slide. So, that story, they didn't have yellow socks on, probably had bare feet, but it's the same type of thing. Have a yellow sock day, step into something new. Three points. When they stepped in, the waters rolled back all the way to Adam. It's a place called Adam. Sometimes you look for illustrations. What does this mean? Adam, of course, is where sin started. And when you step into the waters of worship, it reminds you in that place that your sin is completely and utterly forgotten and forgiven. Why is worship important? Here's the first reason. You're reminded of God's amazing love and His redemption for you. If you step in, and you need to step in having 
taking the courage to think, I'm not sure I'm worthy. I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure I'm prepared. And on a Sunday morning, we're coming in, having had a bad week with busy kids, and it's like, I'm not ready. I'm not here. And we want to be authentic in worship, so we maybe hang back, stand at the, sit at the back. I'm not really ready. That is not what we need to do because the victory has already been won. Our sins are forgiven. We are never worthy to enter into the waters of worship other than through Jesus Christ. So if you can prepare even for three seconds before you come in these doors thinking, I can come in today because Jesus has died for my sins and I am forgiven all the way back to Adam. Every sin that has ever uh, happened in my life, what will happen in my life, whatever I'm even thinking right now, God has forgiven and I can come into the presence of God. In worship, you're reminded that your sin is dealt with. The wonderful thing is that the priests went in carrying the Ark of the Covenant, representing the presence of God. When we step in to worship, we know that God is with us, that our presence is secure, that He has promised to be with us to the very end of the age. And there is no one who calls on Jesus who cries out for salvation, who invites God into his life, that is turned away. And we're reminded of that. The songs we sing, the words that we say, remind us that God is with us, that, that, that he is here with us. And, and we wonderfully, more than just the doctrine and the theology and the truth of it, we feel it in worship. We should feel God in worship. And that's why I don't understand why some arguments say we, you know, don't be exuberant. You know, feelings are bad. It's emotional. Yes, it should be emotional. We love God. It's a relationship. We should be celebrating it and enjoying it and feeling Him. He's a wind. He's a fire. He's spirit and He's truth. And in worship, we can feel God. And when people come in, I want them to feel something. There was a man, I'm not sure if he's here today, the weekend last week. I'd been to church once, saw the advert for the, for the men's weekend, came up, never really experienced much of God before, was in tears in the worship. And he says, I don't know what's going on. And I says, I know, but it's okay. God is with you. And we don't understand it, but we can feel God in worship. We want to feel God in worship. Ask God to feel God in worship. It's a deep, deep well, welling up from within you. From within you. So it doesn't really matter what's going on around you. It's what's within you. That is so wonderful. And they crossed over to the other side. Opposite Jericho. Again, no coincidence. They crossed over before their first battleground, before the first king that they had to defeat, and probably the biggest and the strongest with the highest walls. They crossed over before it. Because in worship, it reminds you that your future is assured and your enemies will be defeated. And it was no accident for Joshua that they crossed before their enemies because they were already trembling by, in their knees they shut the gates because they'd heard about the power of God. And our enemies, whatever your enemy is today, whatever you're facing, whatever you're battling, from the largest to the smallest, in worship you are assured that your victory has been won. Is that not good? Please just applaud the God for His victory in our lives. And we're not sure, are we? We're not really that sure sometimes. That's why we need to get into the waters of worship because that's when the assurance comes. 
that God will give us victory. And we go into the light of day and it's like, oh, it's Monday morning. Doesn't feel like a day of yellow socks today. That's why we need to get the worship on during the day, every single day, to remind us. And I believe there's power in that, in worship itself, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Of course, the story of Jericho goes on, and um, if you know it, they have to crazily walk around the walls every day, once per day. The whole nation, every single person, led by the priests and the, the, worship, the singers led them. And on the seventh day, they had to go around seven times, seven. And at the end, they shouted, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. There is power in worship. That was a physical representation, but in the spiritual realms, declaring out in worship, declaring the truth of God, rejoicing from our hearts. Power comes in the spiritual realms. I heard stories. A colleague at work phoned me and said, I need to talk to you. We're having demonic activity in a house in Glasgow, and we're, we don't know what to do about it. The enemy is coming out, and he says, it's, you know, it's everything that you read about in the New Testament is happening. And the police have witnessed it. <laughs> they don't know what to do. And all I could say was, listen, I don't know either, but get some worship on. Get some praise on 24-7, and the enemy will flee from you. He's coming out. The devil's being exposed. And when he is, we become more powerful. And it's exciting. And, and it, it, it's just uh, so good to know that the walls are coming down. for your enemies, and you will enter in. Wherever you place your feet, he will give you that ground. Six days a week, go around once. Sunday morning, seven times seven. Come giving it your best shot. Focused, 10 minutes early, with the program. And I'm not talking about coming, being crazy. My um, story for later. I, I don't want every single person coming in being wild and doing their own thing. Listen to what's going on. Come with a heart. Hear what the worship leader is doing and singing. God is a God of unity. And he does not like chaos. And, and I remember even one time we had a banjo player come in and it just put the band off because, yeah, it's a great heart, but just the rhythm was slightly out and it just made everything go ah, crazy. Um, so we're trying to hear what is going on in the worship. And if we're leading with a loud song, we're loud. If we're a quiet song, we're quiet. And, and, and we're overcoming the argument that says, I'm... Not doing that because I don't feel like it right now. And, and I believe that people come with a genuine heart to do and have authentic worship. But, and the argument says, well, I, I need to do this for myself. I'm not quite ready. I'm just suggesting on a Sunday morning, we're here together. We work together. We go together. We put aside really what we're, what, where we're at in our heads and just say, I'm going for it with everybody else on the team. I'm playing. This is my, 
this is my gold medal hockey team tournament final match on a Sunday morning, and this is going to be the best worship that there has ever been, and I, I'm going to get into that. And I think that will see power. I, see, I think it will ring out to the nations. I think people will come and be drawn to that. I believe that. That's my vision. That's my heart. That's my belief. And Aaron resurrected the dead on the men's weekend saying that frenzy needs to come alive again. And if you don't know about frenzy, it was a five, 6,000 worship day that we did for the nations that still talked about. And we want that to be the DNA of our church, to be the, the message of our church. We want to work with Dundee. We want to work with worship leaders across Scotland. We want to work with those in schools. We want to work with Transform DJs, taking music to the kids, because they will hear, they will listen, and they will uh, respond. And in that moment, they'll have something, not just a moment, but they'll find that it leads them to the presence of God. Not just the drugs and drink and a moment. And um, We have so much better to offer. Okay. Last slide. You may or may not be aware, and Matthew records it this way, that Jesus, Matthew 4, was tempted by the devil. And the last battle he had to face was one of worship. Who are you going to worship? And Jesus' response when he was offered everything, all the power, all the kingdom of the world, if you will bow down and worship me, asked Satan, I will give you all this. Jesus replied, Worship the Lord your God alone. And Satan flew from him. Worship just might be the last battle the church has to win in this generation. And if we can win this battle, we will see the enemy flee from us. I do believe that. And we will see growth. We'll see power. We'll see fire. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while. But we want to win the battle for worship. And can't stop talking about worship. I can't stop talking about my kids, the grace of God that is upon them. And I don't know how old, and up there, by the way, is a picture of Isaac, my son in Sydney, leading worship or helping lead worship on one of their um, midweek worship services for their first year. First year college at Sydney, there's 300 kids. Isn't that good? From across the world. How exciting. And um, Isaac was invited to, to join the team for that morning. And Sally, at one point, um, if you know Sally, she, you'll know that she writes prayers. Writes, and she said in our prayer request, may Isaac be a bold in worship. He was about five, probably, at the time. But we knew we wanted our son somehow to, to find a response in his heart to God that would be bold, would be strong. And partly why we said it was our beautiful daughter, Alana, a year older, was like, you just turned a switch and she was, the power of God was on her. She was in worship from the age of one, I think. It was like, what's going on? What's happening? Why is, and, um, anybody have that sort of battle with their kids? 
you know, they just look different and you don't know why. <laughs> anyway, so we wrote it down and Sally's a righteous prayer warrior. Nothing happened for 10 years <laughs> that we could see, that we could see. And then gradually, um, something happened in Isaac's heart and we didn't push him, we didn't make him do anything really, but I do remember Sally describing me jumping around like a giraffe in worship because I was conscious that I wanted to make an impression on my quiet son. And I, I don't know if he's going to the other side of the world to get away from <laughs> that. But at some point, he took a decision to lay down his life, to go to the ends of the earth, to learn to worship even better. And how good is God? I thought he might play for Liverpool one day or, you know, um, he could have done something sensible, like go to Harriet Wharton to engineering, he got in, but no, he decided he wasn't going to be conformed to the ways of this world. He was not going to be constrained by what his friends were doing, what his generation should be seen to be doing. He was going to go a different path. And I love him and I'm so proud of him. And it is a miracle. And speaking to Jackie, nearly called you Lynn, <laughs> whose second child, I think, is River Grace. River Grace, what a beautiful name. River Grace, what a beautiful prophecy. What a reminder to me of the grace and the river of grace that has flown through my life, so that, that we should see things like that. That's the promised land, the sort of thing, more than we could earn or hope or believe for. I could never have penned that prayer for Isaac. That I pray one day he goes to Hillsong College and gives his life to worship. I, 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 we could never have written that down. But God had it written down somewhere. And just wonderful. Just amazing what God has for your life, for your plans, for your kids, for your friends, for your family, for this church, for your church. It's unstoppable. The church cannot be constrained. It is the best place to be. It is the best and ultimate vehicle for God's purposes. In fact, it's probably the only vehicle for God's purposes, to see his kingdom come. But you are the church. And as you learn to step into worship, as we learn to step into worship through the waters, I would encourage you, first of all, step in. Cross over all the way. Get to the other side. Go to your promised land. And it will be where the next battle begins. 31 kings the Israelites had to deal with before the land was conquered. The Christian life is all the time about surrender, surrendering your life. And worship, the heart of worship is surrender. So even if it's just lifting your hand in a moment, or if it's giving your life to God for the first time, if it's walking into the waters of baptism, if it's deciding that I want more of the Holy Spirit and praying for that and receiving that, if it's deciding to your, open your Bible one moment, one day, if it's deciding that I'm not going to have sex before marriage, that I'm going to keep myself, it's an act of worship, it's a moment of surrender. 
if I'm going to give my offerings to God financially, if I'm going to lay down my plans even and where I live and what I do and say, God, you direct me. I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. It's a moment of surrender. It's a moment of worship. And God wants worshipers, not just a nice song to enjoy. So let's, um, maybe we can bring the band back. <laughs> and just, let's just pray for a moment, can we? Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for the grace and the river of grace that is coming from that well of living water that is, in, is within each one of us. And today is the moment that we're declaring we're going to open up our hearts and lay down our lives to become worshipers for you, God. We're going to prepare. We're going to be asking for passion. We're going to go with the flow of your Holy Spirit. We're going to recognize that although I may not like the style, I still have a moment of opportunity to lay down my life, to surrender, a moment of surrender, to put aside distractions and to come and give my best offering to God. I'm going to step into the waters of worship and I'm just not going to dip my feet. I'm going to see the dry ground appear before my feet. That what seemed like a torrent before me and impossible to enter in, I may never you may feel you'd never be able to say a prayer out loud. May never be able to lift your hand. May, may never able to come to a front for an altar call. You may never think, oh, I could never get baptized. I could never believe or want the Holy Spirit more because then I'm out of control. But if you give control to Jesus, if you allow him to transform you through his Holy Spirit, trust that as we go through on dry ground with the presence of God with us whatever we're facing ahead like we sang this morning the mountain will be cast into the sea is the promises that we are inheriting is the victory that we're coming from overwhelming victory as Aaron shared last week on the mountain is the place that we come from and we're going to see the enemies defeated in our lives. Whatever it is, depression, sickness, lack of confidence, uncertainty about our future, difficulty in relationships. The Holy Spirit will gently lead us on in every single area that we give him to a place of victory, to the peace of knowing that is well with my soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit just come down. Touch everybody's heart. And if, and if you are here and, and this feels, and I'm speaking to people who have maybe been Christians for a long time, primarily this morning, but if you are here 
and making a, wanting to make a decision for God, the same picture applies that I am challenging you to stand and walk into the waters of worship, into believing in God. Take that step, put up your hand, say this prayer, and trust God with your life. Lay it down. It is no small commitment. Your whole life. Give God control. Let Him transform you. So come, oh God. Come, oh God, right now. And just give this opportunity. If you want to make a first-time commitment to Jesus Christ, even if you're not sure quite what that even means, here's a prayer that you can say. And all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand up to say, yeah, I've said that prayer in my heart. I'm saying words, but it's really your heart decision. This is a prayer that you can say to give your life to God. Lord Jesus, I'm deciding to believe in you. I'm deciding to follow you all the days of my life. Forgive me for where I've messed up in the past. I invite you in to live in my heart by faith that your presence, your promise to be with me wherever I am, to guide me and direct me is assured. And I receive that promise that I will be with you in heaven one day, the hope of eternal life. The fear of death is gone right now. And I know that I have inheritance beyond the grave. Thank you, Jesus, that you have bought this for me on the cross. Amen. And if you've said that prayer for the first time, please just raise your hand as a response in faith. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Father, I pray for for those souls and for all of us that you would give us the word that you gave to Joshua. Be bold and courageous. Be very bold and very courageous. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. Thank you, Lord. I pray for boldness in all our hearts. I pray for courage in all our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Let's sing.